Welcome to the Ban Hall, a Young Band Directors of Texas podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chelsea Frazier, president of YBDT, and with me is Amanda Blackstone, our executive director. YBDT is a nonprofit organization for young band directors in Texas. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of teaching band, especially in the first few years of your career. Hey guys, today I'm joined again by Aaron Bieber, our Assistant Advisor Program Lead and Director at Floresville High School in Floresville, Texas. You probably remember him from our New Year's Eve Resolutions podcast at the beginning of the year. Uh, just a follow-up, my Christmas tree is still up. I did not make that resolution. Um, but today we are discussing controversial opinions of ours and yours about bands and music. Welcome to the band hall. You know, re- resolutions are made to be broken, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> I, I was waiting for someone at TMEA to call me out. Only one person asked about it. And yeah, it's still up. I don't think my husband will l- allow me to take it take it down. And you know what? <laughs> There's no rules anymore. No, put some shamrocks on it, and it's, it's now it's your holi- St. Patrick's yeah, Day tree. Yeah, it's my holiday tree. Um, <laughs> so today, guys, we're going to talk about controversial opinions in band and music. Um, we took a little break coming back from TMEA. I hope you guys all did as well. Kind of ease yourself back into it. TMEA is both exhausting and uplifting at the same time. I always come back like ready to change the entire world, but then also I need seven naps before I do it. So we took a little break <laughs> um, and we are back and we figured we would kind of hit the ground running with some... Some, some tea about the, the band world. Now, here's the deal. You are going to disagree with some stuff. And I am going to... Di- I've already, I'm looking at the list and I disagree with a few things. And that is cool. <laughs> it's all fun and games. But these are some controversial opinions that Aaron has a few. I've got a few. And then we have a bunch from you guys. So we're excited to go through these. And uh, feel free to message us and let us know what you think too um i'm excited to hear what you guys say but all right buckle up yeah hopefully we won't burn down the the facebook group <laughs> with all the arguments i hope we do let's do it bring it okay <laughs> um i guess do you want to start yeah um do we want to do our own or from others let's first? do let's do ours let's start by calling ourselves out okay uh my first one is that I am not an equipment person when it comes to like playing or conducting or you know pretty much anything in in band or music like you know I know so many people that have like 17 mouthpieces (laughs) I know I know conductors that have just like a one of those um like kitchen utensil holder things mm. just full of batons. Oh, really? Like dozens of batons. Yeah. And I, you know, I think if you find what works for you, mm-hmm. then, you know, stick with it. You, you know, you can experiment with things, but, you know, I just, it's just not for me. You know, I have my mouthpiece that I play on and a backup mouthpiece in case i forget the first one but that's about it that's yeah and especially as a brass player that's like that's hot and spicy i would say (laughs) i'm somewhere in the middle like Mm -hmm. there are some things that i i see someone playing on that i'm like ooh, let's what would you sound like if i gave you this you know what i mean um but i'm not like my professor in college 
he had drawers of mouthpieces. Like, it was just, like, and lead pipes and, you know, mm-hmm. you know rims and, and, like, all kinds of stuff. Um, I have the one that I like. I have my horn that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of other things, but I'm not going, I'm not going to go out and try every latest thing. Well, I think it also, you know, trickles down to um, teaching beginners as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it seems like every year... You know, people message me and asking, you know, what mouthpiece, you know, should I be starting my beginner tubas on? Do you want, you think Hellenbird? You think Yamaha? Which Yamaha? Like, listen, if if your program can afford it, you know, then that's the one you should go for. Honestly. Like. I, I get that. Like, a lot of people, like, with my, my, my trumpets and my horns, you know, I have what I start them on. Mm-hmm. But is, I mean, I care. I care. Don't get me wrong. I do care. But as long as you're not rolling in with like a stock mouthpiece or some of the weird ones that come off of Amazon, like we're going to be okay. We're going to be able to figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Um, now, quality definitely comes yeah. into it. You know, it, you know you're know, you not, you're not going to, you're definitely not going to get a good sound off of your, you know, typical grocery store horn. But, <laughs> grocery you know, store if it's, horn. you know, made by a a credible you know company mm-hmm. and it you make a good sound on it i don't see why you know and you can play in tune on it that's the big thing um i don't see why you shouldn't you know be able to stay on what you're doing yeah i was talking to someone at tmea that we were going around and i take pictures for my kids every year and bring them back and we were taking pictures of some horn mouthpieces and i just asked out of curiosity what she played on she was like oh i play on the the Farkas, uh, I don't remember if it was the MC or the MDC still. And she was like, mm-hmm. I make a good sound. And I, you know, and I was like, yeah, girl, like if you, if you sound good, rock it. No, I'm with you. All right. Speaking of horn, let me go with one that is going to make some people mad. And that's okay. I personally, when I start my French horn players, um, I will start horn players both on and off the leg. So... When I have when I have the kids come in, and we're learning, you know, parts of the French horn, and we're learning how to hold it for the first time, and like that, um, I have them all sit up tall. I show them how I want their left hand, how I want their right hand, and then I have them bring the horn to them. That's it. Just bring the horn to you, and I demonstrate it. And then after they've done that a couple of times, I don't talk to them about on or off the leg. I just say, bring it to you. And then I go down the row, and if the kids are really small, which a lot of them are because they're in sixth grade, um, and it naturally fits on their leg, boom, you're on the leg, love it, you're going to have a great time. But some kids come to me and they're like, I don't know, 10 feet tall already in sixth grade, and your torso is just too big to have it on the leg comfortably without having to like prop stuff up, and and they're already big enough and strong enough to hold it up. Why start them on if they're going to have to go off next year, if not halfway through the year? So some kids I'll say, oh, you're an off-the-leg person. Awesome. Congrats. Here's how you do it off-the-leg. And it's no problem. And I have, and I just say, hey, there's two ways of doing it. You're going to be on and you're going to be off. And like 99.9% of the time, the kids are like, okay. And then they're just fine. Like, I would never take mm-hmm. a kid off the leg that was too small to hold the horn or I'm not going to do that. But sometimes the kid's just big enough to take it off. And if you teach it from the beginning, um, if they're capable of doing it, 
they're never going to think twice. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. We we had you and I had talked about that once before, maybe it was at TMEA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hadn't thought about that before. And it kind of goes into what, you know, a lot of these actual, you know, kind of hot takes um, involve. And that's, you know, the kids' bodies, mm-hmm. you know, like every kid is different. And, you know, we sh- why shouldn't we, you know, make these sort of accommodations for them if it's going to, you know, make them better, if it's going to help them learn to make a good sound and play with the right tone and not keep the mouthpiece in the right place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a very interesting. Um, do you, is your, is your goal to eventually have them all off the leg by the I, end or not by the end of sixth grade, because by right. the end of eighth grade, um, unless they're really small, I make sure that all the kids know how to take it off the leg because there's just some mm-hmm. things that you need to, you know, sometimes you're standing and you just need to know how to play standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, in, in high school, you'll get to music that it's like, um, like bells up mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And if you're, right. if you're set up correctly off the leg, bells up is easy. If you're not, then all of a sudden you're like changing everything that you've done. So uh, no, I, I, I move the kid when they need to, especially boys, they'll grow really tall, really fast. And mm-hmm. if I see if they started on, um, and then later I see they're starting to hunch over a little bit, um, I'll just be like, Hey man, it's time for you to take it off the leg. Let me show you real quick. Some people will be mad at me about that. And that's okay. You want to take the next? Yeah. My next one, uh, is actually kind of similar, but it's about saxophone, um, and it's when to move from the outside leg to inside leg or if and when. I, I think, you know, as soon as the kid's tall enough to have a good posture, you know, that, that saxophone needs to go in the middle. Um, you know, I don't know how controversial that is, but, you know, I see I've I have seen, you know, kids that are very much tall enough to have it in the middle and they're still holding it on the outside, you know, like they're that four foot tall sixth grader they were and you know i i just think it affects the airflow you know it it doesn't look good i don't think unless you're holding well, your they barrier start to lean too. And exactly and i think as soon as they can sit up tall and hold it that thing in the middle it needs to move so i think it's very much in the spirit of the the often on the leg yeah i think you're right i wonder if you know as a horn player i think about the horns a lot just because mm-hmm. I am one. You know what I mean? But like with saxophone, I don't think about that very often. And I wonder if some of these things are just like out of sight, out of mind. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Because right. especially in middle school, the kids grow so much. And when some things are very obvious, like when the trombone player's arms get long and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden they're playing every position long. You know what I mean? Right. But saxophone inside outside leg i mean you're right because then you start to see you know the guys that they're they're leaning over Mm -hmm. everything starts to tilt to one way i need to be i need to be better about looking at all that (laughs) i do okay i hate marches (laughs) oh my god me too (laughs) that's very much the tuba and horn player of us coming out it really is. It's not that I don't appreciate a march. 
I can appreciate a march, but my part always sucks. I don't want to be upbeat land. I don't want to be the motor. I don't, <laughs> like, there are some exceptions for sure, but, like, ugh, I, I, it's just created this unhealthy, like, I don't like marches. I don't like listening to them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that to my horn players and tuba players. I mean, I can play upbeats till, you know, the end of time if you need me to. Like, I'm your girl. But that's only because I've done it in every march that I've ever played. Oh, yeah. I mean, just just the opposite side of the beat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it you know feeds into that stereotypical tuba oompa kind of mm. thing. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely appreciate the... Um, what marches are to the history of band and exactly you know i can i can very much appreciate that do i think that we necessarily need to have marches in every uil program that not really uh that might be another hot take (laughs) but uh why can't we just play like three good pieces of music yeah is that spicy i don't know is that i'm not sure i don't know (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it's just us motor people th- forcing our opinions out there. But it's like, well, we're on a podcast. We, we get to, to do that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, now, that being said, talking about marches, I also can't really stand playing Mozart horn concertos anymore. Mm. Can't stand listening to them. I don't. Again, I appreciate them. I love them. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't love them. I love what they do for students. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they're classic rep. I have my private lesson students play them, but every time I do and I'm done with my lesson, I go home and I complain that I'm playing them again. Oh my God, I'm playing Mozart three again. <laughs> um, I personally did not like playing them growing up, uh, but I do. I'm not hating on Mozart himself. <laughs> I'm hating on the fact that I've played those four concertos so many times. And you hear them everywhere. Right. TMEA floor is littered with Ugh. Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh... Uh, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, you know, I do. I do think that they are important, especially for horn. Those can. Charity. I agree. Um, I agree. But yeah, it's hearing them all the time, especially you know going to like studio recital hour mm-hmm. and everybody's playing the same Mozart. <laughs> I'm sure you know i get it takes a lot of patience oh and they're just and they're and they're good they're good and they're great you Mm -hmm. know to play but it's just like at this point i've i've this is a me this is a me problem not a world problem this is a me this Mm -hmm. is a chelsea needs to talk to her therapist about mozart for a little bit and (laughs) get get over this issue that i have (laughs) Um, but i have my kids play them i think they're important for everybody to learn i just me personally i don't i was watching a try guys video do you know who they are on youtube yes okay well one of them has a degree in horn performance i think oh yeah i think it's in performance but he has a degree in music and he went to college on horn um and in the background of like every other video you'll hear a horn concerto (laughs) so look out for that guys all right aaron's about to hit us with the spiciest one okay this i'm gonna force you to do it do okay. It. Okay. My biggest hot take, band hot take, is that there is such thing as too many clinicians. 
Um, now, that is not to say that you should never have clinicians, because I think that they're very important. But, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, I have ex- experienced or at least seen and heard of directors that have, you know, clinicians out every week, every other week. And I just I think that's just I think it's too much. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's too much for the kids. I think that they they get kind of overloaded with information in that way. And they might get conflicting opinions on things and not know which way to go, especially if you're not in front of them reinforcing the things that the clinicians talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at, at a certain point, like, are you teaching your band or are your clinicians coming in and teaching your band? And, you know, yeah. I, that's, that's my biggest hot take. I, I, you know, we have clinicians out. We had, we had a clinician out for two days this week. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Doug Fullwood was out. Who's awesome. Um, he's the, the, um, admin of the band hacks facebook page which if you're not on oh, that yeah. uh, you should you should go join that page um shout out to doug um <laughs> shout out but he was great and i think the kids you know they learned a lot they they hear things you know put in a different way that they've probably already heard um mm-hmm. but it's always good to hear them from other people in different ways but if they're hearing so many things from so many people it's just I think at a at a certain point it's a detriment to what you're trying to do. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think clinicians are fantastic. Um two clinicians that really made a huge difference for me um were when I was first starting teaching, we had Randy Vaughn out quite a bit. Oh, I love Mr. Susan, Vaughn. yeah, he's in, he's incredible. And mm-hmm. Susan Scarborough mm-hmm. came out quite a bit. And I just I love both of them and the amount of things that they taught me and um, they would just kind of watch me teach and we'd sit down mm-hmm. for, luckily we had lunch after and we would just sit down and talk and just invaluable information. However, there are a lot of people out there that I see, it's like a it's like a crutch to them to have mm-hmm. them out all the time. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. But yeah, I mean, clinicians are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And it's, I mean, it's an opportunity for us to learn, you know, as well, Absolutely. which is, which is great. But I think that at the end of the day, it's, you know, it can be overkill for the students. So I'm with if you, you want to cut that out and, you know, not get the fire. <laughs> blast, yeah, <laughs> blast Aaron online. Okay. So let's transition into opinions that other people have that we got and these will all be anonymous um but things that other people have sent in to us in no particular order or anything and we'll Mm -hmm. get as many as we can and then we'll kind of give our take on them too and we'll we'll kind of go from there i'm gonna start with sometimes you have to tell a clarinet player to bite i'm going i'm gonna expand on this Mm -hmm. because i don't necessarily agree but i don't necessarily disagree Because sometimes you get a kid in front of you that you are saying everything in your toolbox 
all the, you know, like every nice word. And then sometimes you just have to go, okay, you know what? I just need you to pinch a little right there. Mm -hmm. And then boom, it works. And for some reason, that no-no word will work for them. Mm -hmm. I don't agree that, and I don't think this is what this person is saying, but you shouldn't say, okay, clarinet players bite. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. But I have had a few instances where it's like the the one thing I don't want to say, like the word bite or pinch or mm-hmm. pressure or whatever, um, sometimes it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, you just do what works. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I I definitely see see where you're coming from. I just that's a I feel like that's just a dangerous word <laughs> to tell it a player that player. That's <laughs> oh man, I think that's almost as spicy as the clinicians take. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, like you said, like sometimes you just have to to tell the kid in a way that will click for them. And you know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're you know. If saying push up, you know, is not going to, you know, help them conceptualize it, then I guess you can, you can say bite. Um, (laughs) I will say that (laughs) if you say something like that, like a no-no word, like, I think it's funny. It's like a curse word. Right. Um, And I think you also have to qualify it if you say it. Yes. You know? Yes. I agree. This is not exactly what I mean, but you know bite Amen. down or this is what you should be feeling <laughs> yes all right so the next one um you don't have to wait until spring break to teach vibrato if your kids are ready i think that you should teach kids things when they're ready no matter what it is mm-hmm so like sometimes in my beginner classes we're way farther ahead than we have been in the past and i can teach mm-hmm. things way earlier sometimes like last year when like half my kids were online it's like jesus i'm not gonna get through half of this um but you do what the kids fundamentally need don't put a timeline on anything i would say right or put um, a timeline like you obviously plan and 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 do your pacing and stuff mm-hmm. but then adjust right. based on your kids also vibrato is evil and i don't like it i don't like teaching it so (laughs) says a horn player yeah um well i (laughs) i think you should be teaching the concepts of vibrato from the beginning um Mm, and that comes interesting yeah (laughs) so maybe that's another spicy take yeah that one yeah that one's spice i don't think it's it's that controversial though because i mean when we are teaching the kids to count we we're teaching pulsing, so you're mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and then when you you know start adding to the instrument, you know to keep them in place while they're playing those first lines, you know we want them to to pulse as they play, you know like ba ba, and eventually you take it out, but you know you kind of have that in their you know in their repertoire from the start and you can teach them about what that actually is whenever Mm -hmm. they need to start learning and knowing what vibrato is so i disagree respectfully okay that (laughs) but i understand because i i 
Should we just like yell and fight on the podcast? That'd be I fun. I think so. <laughs> um, we'll just max out the audio. And start yelling at each other. Um, I personally mm-hmm. don't pulse with air on the instruments mm-hmm. because I don't want them. I don't want them to get in the habit of that. I want mm-hmm. the steady air. I want and I want the steady big sound that we can then shape from there. Mm-hmm. I do pulse, though, when I'm counting, and then I'll overlap that with them pulsing and counting while I'm Mm -hmm. playing, and then we'll kind of go from there. But I see the benefits of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, look, if your kids are making a good sound, and they have control, and you think they're ready, then you teach them vibrato. Yeah. But I, I do see the benefits of what you're saying, because you're making that bridge connection in between the two. Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, and everybody everybody learns different. Everybody teaches different. I don't For think, sure. You know, as long as your kids are not hurting themselves, then um, <laughs> you're probably doing it right. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're all going to get there in the end. Um, how do you feel about this one, that Granger is overplayed? Ooh. That one is... I think I think the hits maybe are, are overplayed. Um, maybe. But... I don't know. Granger's just really good. Granger's it's the thing yeah. is Granger's stuff is really unique and I think that's what um that's what causes it to be played so much, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a a unique style that has, you know, not often been replicated and I think that's what's appealing to most. So I don't know if I def- if I necessarily agree that Playing Granger is, you know, like playing a Sousa March, you know, like. Right. Now, what do you think about when things are like taken off the PML or taken out? You know what I mean? Because mm. they're played too much. I. See, I, I disagree with that. I, I, dis- I disagree with it. You know, because okay. there's a reason it's played a lot. You know, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Why why it's are you going to take good, good music. music? Yeah, so we should I be encouraging know. more good music to be p- put on the PML rather than taking the stuff that everyone likes off. And I understand judges get bored of it and whatever, but sorry, get over it. You can listen to it again. No, I like Granger a lot, but I wonder if this person is is feeling about Granger the way that I'm feeling about Mozart. I'm just mm-hmm. tired of it. Not that it's not right. good. Not that it doesn't have its merits. Um, okay. But I do like Granger. You can keep playing Granger. Okay, everybody, please. <laughs> I like it. All right. All the right. flutes are never too loud. Uh, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think when you're in like the middle, low range, that can be the case. But like, yeah. if, you're, if you're getting above the staff, like I... Yeah, they they definitely can be too loud. That's true. I think maybe the flutes can never use too much air. I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flutes in the extreme registers, uh, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, okay, here's an opinion of mine. I don't think tuba could ever be too loud. Mm. What do you think about that? I... As a tuba player, it's hard for me to, I think, have an objective opinion on that 
because Fair. I'm always listening for the bass sound. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when, you know, I'm rehearsing and my head director comes in and is like, your tubas are too loud, man. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what? It's the most important instrument. What do you mean it's too loud? But then, you know, I'll, rec- I'll record myself and I'll I'll hear it. I think I think there's there's definitely a limit. I think most of the time I can always use more tuba. Mm-hmm. Most of the that time. could also be a I, high school versus middle school that's kind true. of thing. That is true. Because I've got, I I've got some high them. school players that can rip it. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. And flutes are never too loud in middle school for sure. For me, yeah. I'm always like, give me more. Give me more. Yeah. Um, and I also have, you know, some of my sections are just always armies. Like, I always have an army of trumpets. I always mm-hmm. have an army of trombones. So, okay. I guess that's that's personal. And depending on the band. All right. Mm-hmm. Next one I think is spicy. For snare drum, at a certain point, if it sounds good, I don't care what it looks like when it comes to technique. I think that is pretty spicy as well. <laughs> and I don't necessarily agree. I agree and disagree. I'm in the middle. Okay. If, well, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. You go first. I Okay. Let me think about this. I think, especially with percussion, um, I think good technique is really important. It's just it, it's just so easy to hurt yourself. I think that mm. uh, proper technique and you know avoiding injury really go hand in hand. Now, I didn't even if think about that, if you are their percussion teacher, if you know, because I don't I don't think I could look at a snare drummer and say, hey, I think that grip is great. Um, <laughs> I look at, you know, my snare drummer and I say, why aren't you playing the right rhythms? But Right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if if your your person or you who is versed well on percussion looks at it and can tell that, you know, the grip is not, you know, too tight and the way that they're they're moving is not harmful and it sounds good, that's fine with me. But you know, if you're okay. going to put all that consideration into that, why not just have them do it right? I didn't even think about that, like the injury part. I, I, I'm i with you. I think, because I'm not one to speak on percussion too deeply. In general, if it sounds good, but is wrong technique, like and I'm thinking like hand position embouchures. Mm-hmm. All of, all of that kind of stuff. I think at some point, depending on what they're doing, it could limit them. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I have, like, I have one kid right now. He's a seventh grader. He was virtual all year last year. And he came back and he's, he's a trumpet player. He's set off to the side, like, pretty significantly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if someone is off to the side just a little bit. Not a huge deal. That's what works best for their face. Mm-hmm. Whatever. This kid is like pretty far off to the side. Um, and he's working on it in his lessons and all of that. And he sounds good right now. But if he was to continue 
as we hope he does into high mm-hmm. school and is playing harder stuff or like what if he goes into the college and decides to mm-hmm. play that you know what i mean yeah it's going to limit him be in an a, issue and yeah so it's like there are some things that i would i would give to and there's some mm-hmm. things i wouldn't i guess on a on an individual level yeah my concern is mostly you know for the health of the student you know yeah, there's a reason that. that we teach things certain ways and a lot of times it's so that you don't hurt yourself yeah i didn't and, think that way okay and also if we're talking like marching snares like it's all gonna look the same so <laughs> i agree and disagree but you guys out there might you know disagree with us and that's cool that's cool um okay next one says every single band program needs to have some sort of jazz band Mm. I think that the, every single band program needs some sort of jazz education at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Because I think jazz as a, as a, as a style and genre is really important, especially as a, as an American music tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. As a, um historical at the historical relevance of it and you know culturally i think it's important mm-hmm. um because you know especially for black and african-american students that is a you know a genre that is born from black tradition and i think that mm-hmm. is something that should be represented in the classroom it's hard you know saying that you need to have a jazz band at your school when maybe you don't have the resources you know maybe you know it's just your schedule doesn't allow it um but i i think that it's it it is an important thing to talk about it's important to play jazz and be part of your um your program i think that i agree with that part i agree with that i i agree with i think it's something that we need to you know, talk about and teach and listen to and and play. And I agree with that. I agree also with what you said, that not everybody has resources to do it. Mm -hmm. My other thought is, like, if someone asked me to start a jazz band, um, I could do it. But I'm not necessarily the person that you want. I don't have a lot of jazz experience. I don't, Mm -hmm. I've never played in a proper jazz band. Um, I've never, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I've, I've played pieces here and there, but I've never, I don't have that experience. I don't know. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's resources and there's like curriculum out there. True, that, true. You know, Essential Elements has a jazz book and that you can, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Essential Elements. Um hmm. But I mean, that's, you know, that's a great place to start. And, you know, if you have the time and a set of those books, like, I don't see why not. You know, like if it was a like a class in the middle of the day, Um, we have we don't have a jazz band um, at our school, but we do have um, a jazz club. Um, Our middle school Mm -hmm. kids get club time. I think it's once a week or something like that. And Mm -hmm. one of our directors at the middle school started a jazz club and they've been reading beginner jazz charts and they've been talking about jazz and the basics of improv and things like that. And yeah. so even if it's something like that, I think that that's, you know, at least a jumping off point. 
I need to play more jazz is what I need to do. I like to I, play. I agree. We have a... <laughs> no, <laughs> about not about you. No, I <laughs> need to as well. You know, I think we're in the same boat. Yeah, you know, we're not invited very horn. often, man. I know. I played tuba in my high school jazz band. And did you really? It was a lot of fun. I did, but it, it's hard because <laughs> all they can think <laughs> to do is give you the the bass charts and. Mm, yeah. You know, basses don't have to breathe. They don't need measures of rest, and you're and you're just playing arpeggios <laughs> and <laughs> nonstop funny. for an entire piece. <laughs> All right. Um, next, I've heard this one a lot: flute players, which B flat. Mm. So, this person says thumb B flat all the way. I, when I first, I've only taught one year of beginner flute and beginner flute is so hard to teach. It is so hard to teach. Um, and so I was asking everybody and then I got to B flats and I not even realizing how, you know, controversial that was. And one person told me to do one and one B flat. And so I did. And I'm sorry to everybody. I didn't know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you might be listening and you're like, yeah, you did the right thing. It is, fun, you know, 101 B flat. Um, I think, and, you know, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I think teaching one and one is a older technique. And then teaching thumb B flat is like, this is what we do now. I think. That sounds right. Uh, I don't know. I... You know, I have been, it's been drilled into me, thumb B flat, like that's, that's what you do. Yeah. I think technique wise, one and one, if you're, you know, playing a pattern that it's, it makes it easier, like a 16th note pattern, I think one and one is fine. But I think thumb B flat is like pretty much generally the accepted thing to do these days. I think so too. Um, I mean, ever since that one year, I've been told plenty of times mm-hmm. you guys don't have to tell me plenty of times it is thumb be flat <laughs> and i'm i'm with you because i mean in band music how often does our key you know how often do they play b natural mm. right versus b flat mm-hmm. so i'm with you um if someone asks me to do beginner flutes again i promise i will do thumb be flat <laughs> i promise i promise all right next one I put the ligature on after placing the reed on the saxophone. Cool. <laughs> I have no opinion, I mean, to me, honestly. <laughs> so most people, when they're teaching their kids, will have them pl- place the reed. I'm sorry. Put the ligature and then mm-hmm. slide the reed in. Right? Yeah. But then, I mean, what do I do? Like, if I... I've always been told if you teach it, that's what you do. You put... Mm-hmm ligature then read because you want them to avoid chipping i think i think that's the whole the whole deal um but me personally if i pick up a clarinet or something i never pick up the saxophone sorry but i always put the read on first Mm. just because it's like layers and yeah but like i'm a brass player like don't don't listen to me (laughs) i don't (laughs) right well, I, Um, yeah I, i honestly have no opinion on how you should put your put your read on 
Um, I mean, Here's... other than correctly. Um. <laughs> That's all I care about. Look, if you come up to me and you tell me that you do it one way, I'm going to be like, cool, man. And if you come up to me and say the other way, I'm going to be like, cool. You should fight this other guy. He told me the opposite. <laughs> I, I get why. I don't know. I feel like for me, it's easier to put read, hold it, and then put the ligature. Mm-hmm. But I understand why, like, with sixth graders, you would want to, because they, you know, break them all the time anyways. They look right. at it, and it's, like, split down the middle. <laughs> so, hmm. So I wonder if this person teaches it this way, or if it's just, like, them mm. personally. At one point, they were like, eh, whatever. Mm. Well, we know this person, so we can... Um, we do. We'll reach we out. Can, we can hit them up. All right. You want the next one? Sure. Teach side B flat on saxophone instead of bis, this. The bit, yeah, the bis key. Oh, to start. Yes. Better for chromatic things. Um, this is another thing that I'm like, I'm, okay, I maybe we should have had a woodwind player on here with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they can help. <laughs> help us. I mean, it sounds right. Better for chromatic fingerings. Um, I think. Cole, who teaches our saxophones, I think he does the mm-hmm. same thing. He teaches side B flat first um, instead of the bis key. Can we talk about woodwinds and how funny their keys are? The bis key? <laughs> like, what? What is that? Um, Seriously. Bassoon's the worst. I think I've talked about it before. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Bassoon's, yeah. Bassoon's the worst. The pancake key. The... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder what people think... I, someone message us and let us know. Does it upset woodwind players? I'm talking to you. Does it upset you when you teach things with weird names of the keys? Like pancake key mm. or banana key or um, this year with my bassoons. And you guys can yell at me. That's fine. Um, with the, the, the different thumbs for flicking notes. We're flicking. We have long boy and top boy because one is long and one's on top and and it works and they never forget. But is that, do you think woodwind players get upset? Like, do, like you need to know it's called the, the A thumb. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I don't know either. I mean, I guess, you know, I would be mad if. You know, a, a woodwind player called the mouthpiece the buzzy thing, and the kids never knew, <laughs> like, <laughs> what that was. Okay, touche. <laughs> touche. Now, I, I, I do say this is what it is called, but then I'll continue to call mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Right. But, I don't know. Someone fill me in. Maybe <laughs> I need to change what I'm saying, and that's fine. We're not perfect here. Um, okay, next one's about marching band. Most of these are about beginner, and I understand. Um, this one's about marching band. Our school does bent leg marching because it's more natural to the body. How do you feel, high school guy? I I think that's valid. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely a school-to-school kind of thing. Um, we do sort of bent leg marching. It's definitely not straight leg, but it's more – it's. It's more of minimizing um, unnecessary motion. So mm-hmm. it's like 
bent minus i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like a modified but, bent yeah line. yeah and so and that's you know i definitely see what they're saying and when i was in high school we did bent leg marching mm-hmm. um i i think that there's definitely something to be said about that especially when you're teaching it um mm-hmm. and it 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 is i think it is more natural to the body but you know straight leg it also keeps you have to keep your core engaged in order to make straight leg marching happen and that's only going to make your air support better so you know i i see benefits in both ways um the person has a point yeah i teach middle school caveat but like a modified bent leg is i think if someone asked me which don't ask me but if you did i think that's (laughs) what my opinion would be i saw someone I don't, I don't remember. It must have been this year in marching season. Um, did like a crazy, super straight leg. Um, and it was clean. Don't get me wrong. It was so clean. Mm-hmm. And every uh, it was an incredible show. And it looked so unnatural and so uncomfortable for the kids. I, I agree with this person. I don't know if I'd mm-hmm. go like full bicycle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but right. <laughs> I, I I see what I see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I could I could get well, with that. I think that bent leg is also a little more accessible to every student. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my in my opinion, the more kids that you can you can have, you know, participate, the better. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay, another fingering um, clarinet. There's just. So many different fingerings for things on woodwinds. Um, this person says, I don't care what E-flat fingering they use. Some people are diehard either way. Mm. I would say, I don't know if you have an opinion, but I would say whatever one makes sense, it is more natural for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I go with. Um, I think it's contextual. I mean, you know, what, what whichever fingering is called for the moment and whatever one is more in tune is really yeah. my opinion again brass guy but you know, know if it sounds good and if it's in tune then i'm i don't care which fingering it is no same it doesn't it doesn't bother me either way um i teach beginner double reads and with my oboes this might be a hot take i don't know we'll find out i teach right f first and then if you can't do right f then left F, and then if you mm-hmm. can't do left F, then forked F. The fact that oboes have three different Fs, that's excessive, guys. I don't know what's going on here, but <laughs> I do right, then left, then fork, and the rule is no slippy slidey. Mm-hmm. No slippy slidey. No slippy slidey, and then on, and then we, we avoid flippy floppy as well. So... I mean, it works. If okay, it works. okay. Finger through it. Is that a slippy slidey? Oh, you got to use the other one. Sorry. Mm, I think that's great. I don't know. I have seven positions, and I only yeah, use five of exactly. them. So <laughs> whatever. All right. This, okay. This next one I disagree with, but go ahead. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I am very particular about my wording within harmonics. G flat is not quote the same as F sharp. I might say that note has the same fingering as the other note. Go. 
What you got? I disagree. Um, with all peace and love to everybody, I disagree. Um, I here's okay. I will say, hey, it's the same note as what? Oh, F sharp. Okay, great. There you go. Um, I will not let them though. If we're like note naming or something through it, and it has a F sharp, I will not let them say G flat because it says mm-hmm. F sharp. But I will. But I do tell them it is the same note because it is, it is mm-hmm. the same note. Um, and that's how I teach in harmonics. I, I, you know, we go and we go on a, I call it a field trip and we go to the marimba and everybody circles around and I'm like, look, if I go up, what is that? Oh, it's C sharp. If I go down from here, oh, it's D flat. So what is this one? And they'll say both names and I'm like, yeah, there you go. Um, but if we're looking at music and they tell me the opposite, I say, "Uh uh-uh, what is it in your music? Okay. Well, what is another name for that? Okay. There you go. But they are the same note. That's my take. Mm, what do you think? Um, I I try and you know really show them like what in harmonics are. You know, for like, sure. This one going up is the same as this one going down, and they meet in the mm-hmm. middle and and all that. Um, and I try and relay it back to um, their English class. Um, cross curriculum for anybody who Whoa. needs any telepass um, college administration tips um, <clears throat> cross curriculum connections the same it's like homophones <laughs> they sound the same but they are different oh words different notes um, and that that kind of helps it click but yeah whenever um, you know whenever they call it the opposite in harmonic I I try my best um, it's very hard with high school kids, especially for some reason, high school flute players. They're like, it's just a D flat. Like, no, it's not. It's just a D flat. It's a C sharp. <laughs> <laughs> but I always say what, what, what note does it, it sounds like a D flat, but it's really a C sharp. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess, and this comes from a high school person. So maybe this is. Maybe this is them saying what you're saying. Like the kid is telling you the other name, even though on the music mm-hmm. it says C sharp. But they shouldn't. Uh, okay. Okay. I see. I see where <laughs> this person's coming from. I get it. All right. This next one, I think you've got um, some feelings about. I do. And it's. I do it's have about some feelings about it. Blaming private teachers for solo and ensemble mishaps. So, solo and ensemble is one of my favorite contests. Like, personally and as a teacher, um, this is, like, the kid's time to shine. However, if you... I've heard people before blame private lesson teachers for how a student performs at solo and ensemble. And that is toxic, in my opinion, um, it is very easy to say, okay, well, this kid is in private lessons, so I'm not going to worry about them with their solo at all. And I don't agree with that because they're still, just because they're in private lessons doesn't mean that they don't also, sh- they, they don't also deserve the attention from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and private lessons are only once a week. So 
I mean, yes, they're incredible and they help. And I wish every child ever would take private lessons. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a director, like I'm still going to pull that kid in and see how they're doing. Um, I know some directors like won't even know what that kid would be playing for solo and ensemble. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's so hands off for them. And then if the kid does poorly, they'll say, oh, well, their lesson teacher. Ah, Come on, man. What do you think? I agree. I, you know, at the end of the day, it's still your kid. Um, yeah. And you're, you shouldn't, you know, for anyone that does have a lessons program, um, you shouldn't not know what's going on in your students' lessons. Um, it should, you know, it should be a collaborative venture because, you know, the, the kid is taking these lessons and to be a better student in your program and you should kind of know what's happening there you know it should be you should be working with those teachers and knowing you know what's going on and knowing where the problems are you know if kids struggling with a solo um you should know Mm -hmm. that and you should be hearing that kid whether or not they are in lessons the kid shouldn't walk in to solo and ensemble and you've never heard them play Mm mm-hmm Private lesson teachers are incredible, but they are not miracle workers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, well, some are, some are. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you need to know what's going on. I agree. Okay, listen on this le- next one. Um, okay. I have a trombone playing friend told me that, honestly, it does not bother him if students touch the bell when they go to third position. <laughs> Aaron's face I, is really funny. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. You know, I think that having the bell there is a fine reference point for finding that third position. But, you know, if they're touching that bell every time they go to third um Mm -hmm. then they're they're learning that that's exactly where third is and that's just not the case um you know depending on the harmonic third position is going to change and depending on their tuning it's going to change if they're if they're out of tune and they're on that third position like it's just going to sound bad and they're going to stick there because they that's where they think that they're supposed to be you know they're not going to adjust because their fingers on that bell and they are assuming they're right because that's where they've always been. And that's, I just, I could not disagree more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I disagree as well because it's going to be different for every person Mm -hmm. and what you're playing. And I don't want it to slow them down. If you now, well, I was going to say, if I see them, like, touch it and adjust, like, just kind of graze it Mm -hmm. and then adjust, I guess I wouldn't say much if they're playing it right and it's, you know, but if they're hitting it every time and it's the exact, that's, it's just not going to be the right note Mm -hmm. or the right, or the right pitch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I could see when you first, now tell me what you think about this, when you're first teaching third position, saying that it's in line before you talk about like intonation and stuff, but you're just saying mm-hmm. line it up there, but don't have them touch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see that. 
That doesn't yeah, matter. Th- I think the I think the reference point is fine, but there's a difference between using it as a reference point and using it as a crutch for when mm. you go out. And if they start doing it, then um, it's going to become habit. And yes, you know those kind of habits are really hard to break. Yes, yes, I I agree with you. So overall, with these opinions, I mean. You and I are pretty much on the same page. Yeah. I mean, there is like maybe one thing we didn't agree on. That's not bad. Maybe we're the same person. I, I have not seen us in the same place at the same time. Well, that's I, not true. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, now, some of you at home are, pro- you know, you might be seething on our opinions on one of these. And that's okay. Because they're controversial band opinions and everybody, you're going to do what's right for you and your program and your kids. If one of them makes you mad and you're in your car, pull over for a minute, take some deep breaths, put on some Granger and go about your day. Put <laughs> some, some Granger. Um, look, but seriously, I want to reiterate, if you do one or all of these, it is not the end of the world. You, you do you as long as you're doing right by your kids. That's all I care about, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay, quick plug for um, for you guys. Something really exciting. We now have our own Instagram page for the podcast. So follow us at the Band Hall Podcast. Well, just one word, the Band Hall Podcast on Instagram to stay up to date on new episodes, get sneak peeks, answer prompts for future episodes, um, see a picture of my dog whenever I'm editing these, you know, whatever. We'll see you over there. So again, that's the Ban Hall Podcast on Instagram. Come and follow us and join us. And uh, through our college division, um, if you're in the DFW area, TCU is inviting you to come to recital hour on March 2nd at 3 p.m. Um, to hear from and ask questions to the authors of Musical Mastery. Uh, Alicia DeSoto and Chris Meredith. Highly recommend that. I'm jealous that I'm not up in the area because I use that every day. I use Musical Mastery every day. So go check that out, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is The Band Hall, a YBDT podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at The Band Hall Podcast and YBDT at Young Band Directors TX. Find more information about joining YBDT at our website, youngbanddirectorsoftexas.org. Until next time.